something is wrong in the NFL. Everyone's left was right. Everyone's right was left. It was a sight to see, especially a lot of the early games. Welcome, guys, to the 32nd edition of the podcast. Your Shulienko, accompanied by Josh, who is a little disengaged, just based on the fact that being the fan that he is, being the fan that I am, our left went right yesterday. Just a lot of you guys is right when left. How you doing, Josh? Very depressing Monday. A very weird Monday. Yeah. We're almost halfway to the season. A lot of surprises. A lot of soul searching. A lot of hope. A lot of... There's a lot of everything, Yanko. And I think there's the a lot of everything going on right now. And I think the listeners will be able to hear your your uh inept not inept feeling of completion of of just wholesomeness. And to say this guys and, and I know Josh obviously on a personal level and this is one of the biggest football fans that that I know. One of the biggest football fans that I can uh, attest to and uh one of the biggest football fans that uh, I'm close to, and I think a lot of you guys are going to be able to relate with this because I did the same thing yesterday. I finished the game and then just stopped watching. Usually Sundays for me, I'll continue watching football. I'll go on to red zone, check my fantasy, trash talk some of the people that I'm playing in fantasy, kind of touch base around the fantasy league, uh, be interested. And, and take a deep dive, right? And just just kind of just take it back. Take the sport as what it is. Take the sport for what we like it to be. But yesterday, along with many fans, such as the Bills or the Saints or the Niners or the Rams or the Bengals, we all kind of took a, a backseat to football and took a little mid-season breather because what was supposed to happen didn't happen. And Josh just does not go into the unpredictability that the NFL world is. Just when we think, just when you think that you have things figured out, a team's soul, a team's mantra, a team's just grit and focus, has gone out the window. It's yeah. uh, I, I don't want to bring a negative tone to this podcast, but as we continue to flow and as we continue to talk, uh, we'll be able to really just engage in which is what happened around the NFL news galore. Uh, the trade deadline happened after the podcast. Uh, yes, last week. And as Raiders fans, uh, we went through a couple of cuts and a couple of releases that, and signings that were not foreseen, that were maybe uh, tragic. It could be a word that we used, but we'll get into everything NFL. And Josh, let me start by saying this. Because the NFL is in such a tizzy, do you think that's a, that has a, a direct effect on the fantasy football league? 
or fantasy football world that's also in a tizzy? Have you suffered the consequences of the uh, inadequacy and the inaccurateness of prediction of what is the NFL? It's just when you think you have it figured out to a certain degree, right? All of this transpires. And I'm sad to say that maybe this hadn't happened in a long time. There's always upsets. There's always weirdness that happens. Uh, the game is very unpredictable. There's a bunch of, uh, obviously, these players get paid a lot of money. They're professionals. They excel. And they're the best athletes in the world that excel in this particular sport, which is the NFL. For fantasy purposes, there was a, a certain impact. I'm sure if you had an example, if you had a lot of stock in that offense in Dallas, you took, I'm not going to say a big L because fantasy is a little bit different, right? There's always the, um, the trash points that are very valuable to, in fantasy football. So I'm not going to go as far as saying that perhaps in fantasy you were affected, but sometimes you are. As for the NFL, very crazy weekend. And we'll dive into that a lot more right now. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I have a lot to say. Well, let me start with, with this. Another a stat that summarize, not summarizes, but that will get us started with week nine in the NFL. Did you know that the Super Bowl came early in November? How so? How so? Well, there were five matchups the first time in the NFL that we've had this many matchups that were X Super Bowl matchups. Okay, so I'll get start. It's a great segue into what Thursday night's game was. Was the New York Jets and the Colts? We're going to go exactly. We're going to go back some time ago, and it was the Colts over the Jets in Super Bowl. You want to guess? Three. Look at you. <laughs> With For Joe those people that are obviously listening, uh, Yanko uh, put three fingers out. So I gotta I put. I gotta put Josh I took on a gander. I got I, I took a gander. How we sound on this side of the microphone and what you guys don't see doesn't necessarily have to leave uh, into the web stratosphere. Anyway, yeah, Super Bowl three, Joe Namath, and that was a long time ago, right? And the Jets only Super Bowl. The Jets only Super Bowl. It's easy for me to say this. I think it'll be easy uh, for some to to summarize uh, Thursday's effort and Thursday's matchup uh, by the Jets as it was as far as you can get from a Super Bowl performance, from a Super Bowl worthy performance. And although the the thumping, although the score might indicate it was a little closer as of late. I feel like I've seen this and maybe because I'm paying attention, paying attention more, paying attention more because of the podcast. I feel like there's been a lot of games this year that on paper, just looking at the score, they look a lot closer than what the game actually was. Right. And this one is, was one of them. 45 to 30 is not indicative Two scores. It's not indicative on the stomping that the Colts put on the Jets on Thursday night. I have to ask you, Josh. I have to ask you. I'm going to dip into uh, the negative part of Josh's mind. Carson Wentz was efficient on Thursday. Is this a Carson Wentz to stay? Or was this a Carson Wentz to 
that's smoke and mirrors. That's the same Carson Wentz that was in Philadelphia. It's the same to me. He, 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 it's a week by week basis. We're talking about right now, the result that happened against the Jets. However, the Carson Wentz that played versus the Jets wasn't asked to take the team on his back and come eliminate a huge deficit. The Colts were on control. The Colts were front running all throughout that game. They were relying, not necessarily reliant, but running the ball was very effective for them. And the defense did what the defense needed to do against an anemic Jets offense. So it still doesn't change my way of how I perceive or feel about Carson Wentz. Does that answer your question? So you're basically saying that you're not surprised that Carson did this because if history repeats itself, we'll get another Carson a dud. Uh, dud when the when the chips when the chips matter most, which was last week. If you wanted to eliminate that huge deficit or that cushion that the Titans have, you find a way to win that game. Yet, let's not forget those two horrible interceptions that he threw. Why? On him trying to do too much. Or, or I mean, I don't know what he feels or well, what he thinks, right? That's just an assumption. But just from what everything has read and from the experts, by the way, I'm going to make a reference, and I don't know if you caught him, but he kind of said this, and it's just boom, turn the light bulb in my head. And he said the same thing. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know what his thoughts are. I, obviously, I can't um, read his mind. Yeah. But every Thursday in the herd with Colin Cowherd, there's this dude. Um, and he always, he's a, he's a film expert. Uh, goes over plays, digest film, uh, mechanics, everything that you want to know about the NFL that man has experience of. Do you know what the uh, the meat sandwich guy? Yes. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I forget his name, but I know who you're talking about. Him. Uh, he's been I, in the I, NFL uh, film. Yes, for he's decades. been in the NFL, and I think he even has like a YouTube channel. So even following him on YouTube, you, you'll if you're a fan of the if you're a fan of the sport, it's one of these dudes that. You definitely like to, you know, like you have Adam Schefter who's giving you like yeah. update news or whatever. Well, this guy is like meat and potatoes of like the NFL. Is he like, not the Monday morning sense. quarterback uh, journalist? I don't think so. You're probably confusing. I know he's Peter the meat King. sandwich guy. Corsell, Corsell. Uh, oh, man, it's coming into my head. A small trickle. <laughs> anyway, it'll come back. <laughs> I, can see, I, can, I can see the... The heat dispense out of your head. Anyways, he said, he said it very eloquently. I don't know what he was thinking, but the history that we see of Carson Wentz is that he sometimes believes in his physical abilities. And if he already has made up his mind of like throwing it a certain way, or doing it a certain way, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. And that, that's how I feel. That's why I feel Carson wins. I'm not, not that he's trash. It's just, 
what good is it to have a quarterback that has all the physical abilities, but when it comes down to coaching, he doesn't listen to you. Does that make sense? That's how I feel about Carson Greg Corsell. Corsell. Greg Corsell. There you go. Yeah. He's so a- long story short, I was very unimpressed, basically, with the way how the Colts handle the Jets. I know the Jets were coming from an, a huge emotional victory. Or no, they were stomping from – there was a stomp by the Patriots, actually. Uh, but <clears throat> it's the Jets, man. They're in a second-string quarterback. They're figuring out But a their second-stringer didn't play. Mike White actually led or, them to a or touchdown. Or the third-stringer. You know, I mean, I want to see that Carson Wentz against the Titans. And we already saw that. I want to see that Carson Wentz against the Bills. I want to see that Carson Wentz against the elite of the AFC or that of the NFC. I don't want to see that Carson Wentz with trashy, trashy teams. It's it's not to talk about the fan base, but look, look at his resume. It was a very impressive win because of the conditions. But we're, we're into this now. Tell me that Carson Wentz victory over the 49ers. Was it impressive to you? Uh, well, the Niners don't impress me. So no, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You see, there's not a, a victory that you say, dang, man, that's why they went to go get Carson Wentz. But Josh, I'm going to play Carson's advocate because to a degree, I still have a belief in the Colts in general. Carson is obviously the face and at the helm, but the Colts in general uh, can still make a run in the AFC playoff picture because, because as, much fluid, alive. as fluid as the AFC is with wins and losses and who's going to make it, I think it's the conference, and we said this last week, I think it's the conference that has the least amount of certainty as the picture starts to get clearer on the NFC side than the AFC when it comes to trying to predict the playoffs. Now, if anything... Week nine told us about trying to predict is that predictions are going to go completely out the window uh, on any given Sunday. However, when I look around the league, and this is only by comparison, if Carson as an an individual, everything that you're saying, yes, wholeheartedly jot it down, write it down, take it to the book. But when I look around the league, my contentness with Carson goes up a little bit being that there are not many options that I would take over Carson. And some of these quarterbacks that fall in line as we continue to go through the games, I guarantee you those teams would take Carson. Okay. So let's go with your point. I guess This led us to the Thursday night game, and then maybe we can make segue to this conversation that we're about to have. That that way we're not in a bunch of crazy places at the same time, right? Yeah. So currently right now, Tennessee is in first place. Then we have Baltimore as your two seed. We have the Chargers as your third seed. We have the Bills as a four seed, and that's obviously racking up all four divisions in the AFC. Your three wild card positions right now, if the playoffs were to start today, is Las Vegas at five, Pittsburgh at six, and New England at seven. So now that we have the playoff picture as of now, which quarterback would you take currently right now in the playoffs that is in playoff standings over Carson Wentz? We have Tannehill. We have Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Derek Carr, Ben Roethlisberger, 
and Mac Jones. You're asking me just to make sure I understand the question because I'm going to get fried. I've, I feel I'm going to get fried by the, my answer. <laughs> you're, just to make sure. You're asking me out of the teams that you just listed that are in the current playoff projections, which quarterback other than Carson would I take to lead me into the playoffs? Carson Wentz, yes. The, the starters right now, those seven starters that I told you, which one would you take? Which one would you playoffs. substitute for Carson Wentz? Oh, which one would I substitute? Tannehill? Tannehill, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Derek Carr, Ben Roethlisberger, and Mac Jones. I mean, that's easy, man. That's Mac Jones. Because I really feel like if Bill Belichick's tutelage gets Carson. I wouldn't even take him over Carson. I would take Matt Jones. You would take Mac into the playoffs other than Carson? Instead of Carson. It to, uh, but again, difference of opinion, right? I respect your way of thinking. Yeah. And then it, it's yeah. a two-way street. That's definitely but it's just a, to, a It's debate. just to kind of go to show you, right? As it stands right now, a lot of people are enamored with Carson Wentz. A lot of people, and I was a believer too, about Sam Darnold. And in no way, shape, or form am I comparing Sam Darnold to Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz has been at least a little bit more successful in the NFL stratosphere. But that's just how I feel about Carson Wentz. No, hey. I feel that at times he's a little overrated. He has a great, a great uh, supporting cast around him. And we are supposed to throw victory laps over him because he stomped on the Jets. I know a W comes a long way. Winning is really hard in the NFL. There's no automatic wins. I, I just feel that's another reason why the Carson Wentz train is overhyped. Philip Rivers did the exact same thing with his staff, and he had him in a much better standing. And the Titans were the same team. Maybe they improved defensively, but the Titans were the same thing. The Texans had Deshaun Watson, and the Jaguars were trash. But he had them in a, in a different pointing elsewhere than where Carson and the Colts are trending right now. But who knows if they make playoffs, he'll shut, he'll shut me up or, you know, he'll prove me wrong and all the naysayers wrong. There's still a half, half of this, uh, half, of half of this season, uh, season is left. Wild card positions are very uncertain. You mentioned it right now. The AFC is very fluid. There's, there's no certainty. The thing with Carson is that I don't, there's two things. One, Frank Reich is obviously enamored with him. And two, there isn't anyone in the Q, Colts QB corral that is threatening his position. They did bring in Sam Ellinger to run a couple of option plays, maybe a, uh, a QB sneak, because that's what Sam was good at at UT, right? At UT Austin. Uh, that basically got him drafted into NFL. Eason has fallen off the grid. Uh, we don't see him. The number two quarterback is Sam Ellinger. However, I think that's going to keep him at least under the year because regardless if they make the playoffs or not, I don't foresee the Colts getting another quarterback to start the 2022 season. Carson's there at least next year, and Carson will continue to either improve because he can use the injury bug as an excuse that he hasn't had a complete full year other than I think his rookie year or somewhere in the beginning of his career. 
to really show who he is. However, half a season could really make or break it for him, right? And the division he's in, and we talked about this last week, he should be able to, Frank Reich should be able to know what he has and what he's not going to have moving forward. On to the next New Orleans-led Trevor Simeon Saints versus the now 4-4 four and four Atlanta Falcons. This was in New Orleans. This was supposed to be a game where the Falcons were an underdog. And to be quite honest with you, I didn't foresee the Falcons coming up victorious over the Saints, especially at home, uh, when you were to compare a couple of things. One, coaching. Uh, Sean Payton, I believe in him as a coach more than, I don't even know who the co- coach is in Atlanta. Two, uh, the Falcons tend to choke up wins at the end when it comes to keeping it close. And three, it, it really looked like Trevor Simeon could, could handle the offense. You had the likes of uh, the news, or better said, news coming out of New Orleans last during the week last week that Michael Thomas wasn't coming back to the team this year. And I'm going to be honest with you, Josh. I think I, there's a little voice inside my head going, Michael Thomas isn't coming back in general to the Saints. He saw that Trevor was going to be the quarterback for the future, at least of this season, that Jameis was out. And he probably thought to himself, I'm not coming back to that. I'm not coming back to uh, to play f- here for this. There's some turmoil. There There's is some turmoil obvious turmoil there. They just haven't released it. No, they've. It seems that they've kept it pretty much in the building. But did they pay him? They paid him, right? Something, yeah. Something that that struck uh, kind of struck me kind of weird was that Michael Thomas delayed his surgery until the summer, and he didn't tell them. And he didn't tell them. So the Fal- uh, the Falcons, the Saints got a little upset by that. And then that obviously pushed him coming back way into the regular season. Yeah. We obviously don't know. I feel that it was a calculated risk or a calculated decision made by Michael Thomas or his camp. And I'm going to say this. I have no proof of this. This is just me thinking outside the box and trying to kind of put two and two together, but he maybe saw the, the turmoil at quarterback. He knew Drew Brees wasn't coming back. They were a little bit salty since last season, the whole Michael Thomas situation. And I think he was to him. It was probably a wait and see approach. Why am I going to squander another year of youth on my side or health for perhaps inadequacy at quarterback, or I'm not going to be able to, show my talents as an elite receiver. So he pushed it and it looked like timing of it is crazy, right? Yeah. So now James goes down. Trevor's the guy there might sprinkle in some Taysom Hill along the lines. And Michael Thomas is like, yeah, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. Michael my Thomas is a little crazy. I, I, I can't come back. So all evidence seems to uh, perhaps Point, what you said, Yanko, that this might be Michael Thomas's last year in the Big Easy. He's definitely he's got the the mar- the makings of a diva. And aren't I'm not gonna say all receivers, but most of the receivers are. 
I feel like the, the, the label diva for wide receivers was more prominent in the T.O. Michael Irvin uh, type of decade. Let's say let's encapsulate those 10 years. Let's say the mid 90s to the mid 2000s where divas were a marketing strategy, right? Divas was how you got noticed. And I feel like the divas idea has dropped a little bit. However, you still have some because let me ask you this and we'll get into this later. Do you think OBJ is a diva? Yeah. But other than Michael Thomas, OBJ, I can't think, at least now, I can't think of any other one. I feel like the the wide receiver divas have disappeared. Let me ask you this. Would you rather have, and there's only two choices here, because we both understand that a quiet receiver who just goes on with his life is probably the best choice. However, would you rather have a diva receiver that has a lot of upside, but you're going to have to deal with a lot of extra? Or would you rather have a receiver who's very talented, but is constantly, constantly, you're constantly thinking to yourself, what is he doing? Is he going to get in trouble? Is he going to get a DUI? Does he have a gun in his possession? Is he, is he going to do something with, what little do you prefer? little something recently on your memory there, Josh? Oh, he's an idiot, but he was, I mean, he's not in the stratosphere of OBJ, no, no, of no. Michael Thomas. I see what you of, mean. Of, um, of Randy Moss, of, uh, you know, Stefan Diggs, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. No, he was just an idiot who made a poor, a poor choice. Yeah, I, I see but, what you mean. And I'm going to counter it with the idea that if prior AB to... was a diva too. Yeah, he, he's a... He was the last of the, the dying divas. It's now, hard for okay. me to make a, that, that he... distinction, Josh. It's hard for me now because of here's two examples of top tier receivers who aren't divas. And I don't have to worry about what you said as one of the options. And that's Devontae Adams and Hop. I think there's, there's an ushering in of a new wide receiver that's taking over where the diva mentality isn't dealt with anymore. I think part of that too is perhaps how the NFL game has evolved. Yeah. Now the passing, the passing uh, numbers are up, 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 up. The whole uh, NFL is centered around scoring a lot. The penalties favor the offense. Everything favors the offense. So the optic is for offense teams to score more. So cause and effect. If, if that's how it is, then that means that you're going to have more of an opportunity of catching. Yeah. And that's why these receivers, their numbers, although of course them being super athletic and good at their position of what they do, but that's why these numbers are so inflated when before in the nineties and the two thousands, it was way different. It, it was a different offense. It was, a, it, it was different. It was maybe geared more towards a balance and on offense running the ball consistently. So that obviously would eat away at opportunities for receivers to make catches and receptions and touchdowns and kind of stack themselves up against the, the NFL elite. And now that the offense has changed, there's more of opportunity. So everybody seems to be satisfied 
Therefore, perhaps eliminating the, hey, I want the ball. Hey, throw me the ball. And I think there was a lot more, the divas of the past. There was a Dez lot. Dez was also a diva. Dez was also a diva. And I'll include him in this conversation or in my point here. They were divas, but you put up with it because they were producing. Yeah, they were talented. I mean, very T.O. was probably one of the most high-profile divas, but that dude was a beast on the field. And then the other point, too, Yanko, is that these people, they were divas, but they didn't get in trouble. Does that, that make too. sense? That they too. weren't a headache of, like, the general manager, like, maybe perhaps thinking, man, it's two in the morning. I wonder where these morons are, are headed to now. What, what is so-and-so doing? Yeah. Who, who is he hanging around with? Is he drunk right now? Is, does he have a gun? Is he flashing? Is he being hyperly aggressive with females? You know? There's that other version of it, which we've seen in some receivers, perhaps in the case of um, um, Antonio Brown. Oh. You know? And I, not to keep going on the subject, and well, I'll round the, I'll round up my my thoughts with this. I think a lot of the diva mentality has dissipated because of social media. You can be a social media icon and get the attention. Therefore, that having, a, That's having a direct a relation to not having to. Everybody be has their own platform, right? Yeah, everyone has their own everybody. platform. They have life outside of the NFL, so. That's a good and, point. You know who didn't have life? Those were the Saints because they went marching out of that stadium with a with an L as kicker again, young Kohu, kick a winning field goal to put the Falcons 27-25. And that, that's going to have a ripple effect on the NFC standings. And we'll get into those NFC standings in a bit. One of the other NFC detrimental games that had two Ds involved, and we're not talking about other things. We're talking about Denver and Dallas. And Josh, these donkeys took it to those cowgirls. Ah. Those Broncos were not ridden by the Cowboys. Those Broncos bucked off the Cowboys. And off air, we were talking about, did you say it was 30 to zero at one point into the fourth quarter? In the fourth quarter, bro. Look, 30 here's, to zero. Here's a stat that I picked up uh, watching late night football as a sports Different uh, outlets were talking about the game. Did you know that leading into this game, Denver had won six straight meetings against the Cowboys? Wow. Now, these are, to it. Look, I've started to learn that these are the type of, type of stats that many people, especially betters, look into mm-hmm. before they bet on a game. That's why when you see a game and you're like, why are they picking? Yeah. Why are they picking? Why are they giving them a chance? It's these statisticians, man. They're looking into any little wrinkle in every game. And I'm going to share another one with you. And we'll dive into that right now. And I wish I could just click. I kind of led by emotion. The Raiders are 3-16 and 16 coming off a bye. And then if you don't think statisticians. The of the East Coast. Yes. Yeah. All that stuff in the case of the Cowboys. Yeah. Of the Cowboys and the Broncos. Now that game, man, it, <laughs> it got out not, of hand. I didn't quickly. Not see that coming, bro. No, I didn't see the game. It was at the same time slot as the Raiders were uh, yesterday. And not that I see the Cowboys games, but, and I mentioned this to you yesterday as we were talking about our disgust and disdain with the, the Las Vegas team. I have to at least get a little informed to defend myself. 
the next day at work against the cowboy uh, committees. The the commitment that cowboy cowboys fans have at work. So be, today being there, silence. being there, being there precisely. What what is the perception or the reasoning why the donkeys went into Dallas or Arlington and stomped the Cowboys? What what is what is the logic behind some of these fans that you see in DFW? Well, one fan that I spoke to yesterday said he tuned out at by halftime. Wow. Now, one of two things. Either this person uh, was as equally aggravated as you and I were and couldn't just fathom mm-hmm. watching the continued on. decomposition of the Cowboys. But at the same time, I think uh, in talking to another Cowboys fan today, a completely different entity or a different person, from what he saw, it was two things. One, the Cowboys defense played with complete and utter... Uh, what's the word? Overconfidence. Mm. Two, that Dak could was out of rhythm, and uh, he apparently he wasn't the only number four wearing quarterback that was out of sync, out of rhythm. And with him, I think that it could have been one of two things, or it could have gone one of two ways. Did you hear the rumblings last week when they evaluated him prior to the Minnesota game, and that many saw him and said? that he looked good, that he looked like he could have played against the Vikings. Now, to me, that's indicative of a couple of things. One, they're afraid to bring him back too soon. So they sat him last week in hopes of saying, we'll lose against the Vikings or we'll put our back up against the Vikings because we can take on the donkeys, even though Dak might be a little rusty. Because think about it. He went... He got hurt in New England. There's that week. They had their bye. And then they had the Vikings game. And then he comes back to this, which prior to that puts him, what, at five games played? After being out how long and not having preseason action? We're starting to see that Dak is knocking off his rust. And this is what this Cowboys fan thought that he was just too out of sync, it was too much of a gap, and that there was too much time in between the last time he played and what it was now. Now, given the Denver defense can be a defense that can be really good. Obviously, they lost Von Miller, and that happened uh, last week as well. They lost Von Miller, but at the same time, you still have a lot of integral pieces that attribute to that Denver defense that could be good. Now I'm getting into what I what I was able just to catch here and there. They picked off Dak. They stopped the running game. They couldn't score. And it's like they were almost deflated. Like they couldn't get beyond the fact that they were losing. They were their biggest enemy. And Denver just took complete advantage of it. Not to mention that Jerry Judy's hitting the stride now. Coming back from this is a second game back. Not to mention that Melvin Gordon, uh, he scored DJ Williams. Is it DJ? It's D Williams, I think, but one of those. Had a good game. Javante. 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 Thank you. 
the Denver Dallas game was a complete dud for Dallas. And it was one of the many that happened yesterday. I'm going to say this about, I'm not saying that um, your coworker is wrong, but here's where I would challenge that about rust. Okay. So you're telling me prior to the Broncos game, and obviously he didn't play Minnesota. How has Dak looked? Been great. He's been great. Yeah. MVP. He's been great. So then why now rust? You know what? I mean, I think when you're falling to the precipice of a loss, you start reaching for oh, ideas. Oh, no, no, no. To, yeah, yeah, so absolutely. And... Uh, again, I'm not trying to refute. But it's funny how sometimes, and the media was really pushing for this. I, I get it's a, it's a bunch of debate shows. And you're going to get, you, you got to get material to talk about and debate it and blah, blah, blah. But I find it so hilarious how at one point they were talking about perhaps the Cowboys should consider resting Dak and start Cooper Rush again. Don't you think the Broncos read all that, heard all that, saw all that? And that's the beauty of the NFL that you and I love and a lot of fans do. All that, all that that creates, man, is you're telling the other team. And yes, sometimes it is true. You know what, bro? You you guys suck. So <laughs> we don't even have we don't even have to bring our best A game. We can just you know half-ass it, and we're gonna come away with a victory. Unfortunately, that's not how the NFL works. And I just think it was a perfect storm that brewed all together, and the donkeys came to play, and the Cowboys just got flatlined. And it was a very humbling experience for Dallas. And it could serve them. It could be a good thing for the Cowboys or it could be a bad thing for the Cowboys because either they come back from earth and they say, oh, you know what? We got to get our crap together because anybody else can can come in here or we can go to their place and we can get punched in the mouth and not recover. Or they can't they won't recover from this. They, you know, believed or they drank their own Kool-Aid and they won't they won't get out of that funk. So it's a win, a, a, a winnable outcome, or it's going to be a derailing outcome, depending on the season. Now, in no way, shape, or form, am I saying, oh, Cowboy Nation, this is it. You guys are done. No, that's not what I'm saying. Because even if that were true, you still play in the NFC East. So Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's more of indicative of the defense having a failure than what the offense was, because a good defense can keep your offense in the game. I mean, look, that was a wake-up call for that defense, though, man. That's a wake-up call for that defense. Teddy Bridgewater was throwing that ball, slinging that ball, running it all over. After the high praise they got in Minnesota, it was a complete Jekyll and Hyde of what happened uh, for that defense. Uh, Nevertheless, Denver takes it, now winning seven straight against Dallas. And uh, having – I think this is going to have a bigger effect on the NFC side than the AFC side because now Dallas sits at – two losses, and you and I talked about last week on how these are games they should win before they start hitting against uh, the teams that actually matter. Uh, Let's move on to the New England-Carolina game. Look, are we surprised that New England won again? Nope. Absolutely not. Sam Darnold is now day-to-day with a sprained ankle. He threw three interceptions. Uh, Matt Rule has not ruled out See what I did there? Not ruled out 
that he is not going to start. And I don't think it's injury. I think it's just we had no, to change this up a little bit. He's considering it because P.J. Walker is their, their second quarterback to move up. At what point do you make a change or do you start considering not necessarily tanking because I don't think this team will tank. I think this team can still win some games because they're still in the thick of things in the NFC. They still can make a, a play for a wild card. Do you start PJ Walker now or do you still deal with Sam? I think the coaching is uh, the coach Matt rules the best person to determine that because the one determining factor that I would say on why you would bench Sam is if the team no longer rallies around him. If the team is not is not willing to play hard because they don't have the confidence in Sam Darnold. If it gets to that point, then yes, you have to bench. You have to bench Darnold. Now, to kind of illustrate it, uh, we might dive into this again, but just for conversational purposes, since we're covering that, we already covered AFC playoffs. Now, NFC. And, and that, that's where it goes, my point. So the number one seed right now, if playoffs were to start today, the Cardinals are sitting at number one. The Rams are sitting at number two. The Packers at three. The Bucks at four. The Cowboys at five. The Saints at six. And the Falcons at seven. Interestingly enough, you know who's sitting at eight? Who's that? Carolina. Right, flirting with so it just goes card. to show you they're still in the playoff because they're still in the playoff race because they're four and five christian mccaffrey is kind of coming back remember they went to go they traded for stefan gilmore which leads you to believe that they feel that they have the adequate pieces at least to make a playoff push they need more competent play from sam darnold however i will flip it to you on the other way bill belichick does this to young signal callers, young quarterbacks. He did it. He did it with Justin Herbert. What do you think? He he did it to Sam Darnold while he was with the Jets. Oh, yeah. He had a field day. So again, it's chop. not to say Sam played horrible. He because he did. He threw a bunch of terrible picks. But it's just Bill Belichick's coaching. Right. I, I think it was more a, a more impressive win of New England because of what New England is doing and when New England is uh, is focusing on and the trajectory that New England is going than that of Carolina. I, I, he went in with that game plan and I bet you he's like, you know what? We're going to take away C-Mac and we're going to force Darnold to make throws and we're going to get him. And, and that's exactly how it went through. To uh, to review it a little bit, Sam Darnold was at his best when they went 3-0 when Christian McCaffrey was at 100%. Yesterday was his first game back. He's obviously not a quarterback that can take over a game. He's a quarterback that needs compliments. So maybe that plays a, a role in the decision-making upcoming for uh, the Carolina Panthers moving forward. Topsy-turvy. Topsy exactly. On to the next. The Minnesota Vikings are the best worst team of the year. <laughs> They're a very hard team to figure out, man. They're a very hard team to figure out. They had Baltimore on the ropes. Again, Baltimore comes out and has a 
double-digit deficit and in overtime beats Minnesota. If Minnesota were to win the games that they're actually in, they would be in the top contention of this NFC uh, playoff run. They would, be, they would be right up there with Green Bay in the NFC North. I don't know what, what their problem is. Is it coaching? Is it, it's definitely not players. I mean, Kirk Cousins, is he making mistakes? To put up that, those, that many points, do you look at the defense? I don't know. I'm not a Vikings fan. I can't decipher it, but something's got to give. And it's either going to be coaching or quarterback. Plain and simple. I agree with you, Yanko. Baltimore really just keeps there. racking it. And that's However, why two. this is all I'm going to say. Baltimore won ugly. They didn't play well. But good teams mm-hmm. figure out a way to win those ugly games. Mm-hmm. It's, not a, it's not a beauty pageant. It's not to say, oh, you have to have blow all these teams out. No. But it's just figuring out a way to come away with a W. And Baltimore did that and therefore beat the, beat the Vikings in OT. And that's all that matters. Yep. And talk about, dubs. Let's stay in the, within the same division, Baltimore, Cincinnati. Cincinnati coming off a horrible loss. Cleveland. Oh, oh you're yeah. talking about transitioning. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Cincinnati versus Cleveland. And when I saw, when I had to make a pick between Cleveland and Cincinnati, I'm going to admit to you, I initially picked Cincinnati. I did. But as the week progressed and actually the day of, I switched my pick and went to Cleveland. Let me tell you why. Nick Chubb is now 100% healthy, or at least he looked it. The defense in Cincinnati can't stop the run, which was evident yesterday. And I thought that as much as it pains me to say this, I thought Baker's going to have a better game than Joe, not because he's a better quarterback, but because he's going to have a prove-it game. And lo and behold, they did. They whacked the Bengals in Cincinnati. And although the score may seem like it was closer, man, Cincinnati just blowout, man. dropped another one. And it's crazy because this reminds me of Cincinnati when, uh, what was their coach's name? That was Marvin there for Lewis. a while. When Marvin Lewis was there and they would, they would hit this, this high. And then even that high would just be enough to get them crawling into the playoffs and never won anything. I'm not sure if that's going to happen, but it it reminds me of that, which in turn now it's crazy because when you listed off the AFC playoff predictor as it sits, nor Cincinnati or Cleveland is on this list. They're on the bubble. They're on the bubble, but I think there's, they're, they're better teams than what Pittsburgh is. I think those two are better teams than Las Vegas and New England on paper, right? Let's disregard coaching. Let's disregard situations. I, th- I think this one's going to mix match a little bit. One of these two teams will be in the playoffs, Cleveland or Cincinnati. But there's the Browns- five teams just to illustrate that. Five teams that are five and four, but because of tiebreakers and common opponent and blah, 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 blah. Uh, New England owns that right. Pittsburgh will probably be in it, but Pittsburgh has a bye. But New England, KC, Cleveland, Cincy, and Denver are all tied at five and four. So that's insane. 
That's insane. There's going to be a melt. That's going to be a, a pick a number out of a hat. And that's the, that's the team that's making the playoffs. No, nobody's taking charge in the AOC. No, 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 nobody's other, saying, other okay, than, I got this. Other, the only team I can say that about right now is maybe Tennessee. They've had a very impressive victories, but, but we'll get there. But, but they lost to the Jets. Who hasn't? <laughs> they lost to the Jets. That w- the Titans lost to the Jets. Josh, if there were a, a team in the AFC that was undefeated right now, then maybe that would make the case. But look, can you tell me that the Denver-Dallas loss or the, let's move on to the next game, the Buffalo-Jacksonville loss is indicative of who that team is? Can you, t- really, Buffalo versus Jacksonville? That should have not been what it what it was. However, but it was, but it was, but it was another team coming off a bye. Buffalo was coming off a bye. And look, I'm not going to be cliche, but it, I have to mention it just because I'm a stat guy and I look at these weird things, right? I'm not going to dissect it, but the Josh Allen versus Josh Allen thing, it was a thing. All right, guys? Yes, it was a thing. There was a Josh Allen on either side of the ball, both defensively for Jacksonville and obviously the Josh Allen were more acquainted with on the offensive side. And the defensive Josh Allen had a better outing than the offensive Josh Allen. Now, moving that out of the way, does this, what does this tell you, Josh, about Buffalo? Does it, does it tell you anything? Or was this one of those, eh, it happens, move it aside, keep going? I don't take – I understand you're going to have a, a dud. I, I get that. To me, it's inexcusable, and you said it right now, for coaching, for players, and more so for coaching – that you're coming off a bye and you get handed an L in that regard. Yeah. Dallas came off a bye. Yep. No. Yes, yeah, they, they, did. Did. they did. They did. They did. No, no, no. They played Minnesota. They played Minnesota. They didn't go. They didn't have. No, they, that's right. They played Minnesota. Okay. Let me retract that. So there was only two teams. Baltimore came really close, really close to taking that L. They were coming off a bye. Mm-hmm. Buffalo was coming off a bye, and they yep. took that horrible L. Actually, no. Buffalo, no. Buffalo played Miami last week. It was only Baltimore and, and Raiders, Las Vegas. But the, the Jaguars came off a bye. The Jaguars came off a bye. So you see, that's perfect. Jacksonville took advantage of the bye in a very young team. Mm-hmm. They probably sat and stewed for two weeks and saying, how are we going to beat the Bills? Yep. They did and their due diligence. They did their due diligence. It's inexcusable you having off a bye and you handed an L in that fashion. And we're going to cover that other game that I'm referring to you right now in a bit. That's but very upsetting. It's not, it's not indicative of Buffalo. No, I in no way, shape, or form I'm saying Buffalo's trash. No. But, man, these losses... They're ugly. And they're going to come back to bite you in the butt. They are. I understand you lost to Pittsburgh. It was week one. I can still fathom that. It was a 50-50 game between you and Tennessee. It came down to a goal line stand. Okay. You know, I, I get that. But you coming off a bye. Well, not a bye. Coming to Jacksonville 
and taking that L in that way a in a one nine to six battle win Jacksonville That's with a harsh. rookie quarterback and a rookie coach harsh. who's getting lap dances in the middle of Ohio. Yep. And you still, you still, that's a, it's a, I, I, I'd say that this is the ugliest loss of Sunday. This one here. I, I still say the donkeys one is worse, but if you were, it was, put, it was, it was a horrible loss either way. Cause it look was at the because different of Jacksonville. Yeah. Jacksonville's only one a game. Denver at least was at one point. Okay. They're three and oh, okay. You know, like they're, they're not a trash team as the trash meter between Denver and Jacksonville definitely favors Jacksonville other than Denver. That's what the, and the difference, the stark difference in hierarchy between who Jacksonville is and who Buffalo is. That's there's too much of a gap in between. As a matter of fact, I think they had a, a 14 and a half point predicted difference. They drank that Kool-Aid, man. That's yep. what happened with the bills. Yep. In the Super Bowl era, other than one game, the biggest differences were team that was supposed to lose according to predictions came to fruition yesterday and was made up and those two teams were denver at dallas they were supposed to lose they were a 10 and a half point underdog and then jacksonville versus buffalo at a 14 and a half point underdog those were the biggest two underdogs to come back and win a game despite the prediction in the super bowl era two of the three anywho moving forward to houston versus miami i mean Tyrod came back. Tua is out. Now you've got Jacoby. That was uh, that was a unless you're a Miami or Houston fan, no one looked. No one tuned in. I think Sunday Ticket almost offered it for free. I, that's I'm not sure the game. Yes, actually, that game was in PBS. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true story. And I think kids still prefer to watch Blues Clues over that game. Yes, but over that trash game. There's nothing to talk about there. That was the battle of the first overall pick. How about that? How Let's yeah? Give context. That's true. That's true. And uh, Tua, man, he just he just doesn't make a, a name for himself. Another Alabama quarterback not making a name for himself. At least he's not driving down 160 miles an hour, drunk and killing people. That's a nice segue into the next game of that happened in New York: the Giants versus the Raiders. Let's, I think it's easier to start with the off, what happened leading oh. into, and then we'll talk about the game. So shortly after, and what I mean by shortly is literally a couple of hours after we got off from recording our podcast, uh, Henry Ruggs went and made a very big mistake. He drove under the influence, as you said, at 157 miles an hour, 156, slowing down to 120 something and hitting an innocent bystander in her car with her dog, uh, making the car flip over, over 500 yards and golfing in flames. And therefore having the fatal results of uh, the 20 something year old young woman. That's very unfortunate. What's also unfortunate is that you have people that are put in positions of success that are put in positions of, uh, how should I say this, prominence to a degree. And the comments could go either way. Your opinion could go either way. But fact of the matter is, 
is that someone's true person and someone's true being eventually comes out. Sometimes in lesser ways as a consequence and sometimes in tragic ways as it was. If you look at that year and the wide receivers that were picked after Henry Ruggs, you had Justin Jefferson, you had Jerry Judy, you had DK Metcalf, you had a couple of receivers that were picked, but Henry was picked first. And prior to what he, the grave mistake he made, Henry Ruggs was starting to show glimpses and starting to show that he was proving to be, would you agree, Josh, worth to a degree, a number one pick? Most certainly not on top of those other guys of no. Judy still up for grabs, yeah. not on top of CD, not on top of, of Justin Jefferson, uh, over Jalen Rager, yes. And I would still not do it over Ayuk. Okay. But uh, there were yeah, glimpses there were, and, and there were, there yeah, were, were hopes. Yeah, There were improvements for sure. There were improvements. And now that young man who's 22 years old stands with four felony charges, stands to uh, serve time, and probably and most likely will not see the light of day in the NFL ever again. You know what's ironic about this, Josh, is that and this a coworker showed me this. He and two other guys he grew up with uh, were really close. One uh, got a scholarship at Troy to play basketball. One just was their friend. He didn't become a collegiate athlete. And the other was Henry Ruggs, who went, went up to be a five-star D1 uh, wide receiver who played for Alabama. The friend that wasn't the athlete ended up passing away in an accident to a drunk driver. ESP had even did us uh, sorts of expose, including those two gentlemen, the guy who played Troy basketball and Henry Ruggs. There, there isn't humor to what happened. And to say that Henry Ruggs was a big part of the game plan for what the Raiders offense is or was proved evidence and yesterday's matchup against the Giants. Las Vegas was a team and is a team, I think, can still get it together. Because as much as uh, you were able to voice to me off air about your, your confused disdain against Las Vegas, I think there's still pieces to pick up. And I think what's the most frustrating thing of all is that they've proved to us and I'll, I'm gonna let me let me retract that. They've proved to me that Las Vegas, that the Raiders this year are better than what they've been the last couple of years. This is a team that's better than was supposed to happen yesterday, and this is a team that, as you alluded to and foreshadowed, moving into the explanation of this game, that came off a bye, that should have had their stuff together, and that although there was a wrinkle with the Henry Rugg situation should not have lost to the Giants yesterday. They had everything. To, they had uh, all the keys to win yesterday. I think you, you put it very eloquently at the beginning in regards to the life that was lost or that, uh, in the Henry Ruggs incident. 
obviously our thoughts and our prayers to that family is going through a hard time in regards to that. And also for Henry Ruggs, we're all, we're all human. We're all imperfect. Unfortunately, his future is very much very cloudy because of one decision that he made. We all know it was a very stupid decision. There's irony behind it because of what you mentioned on him growing up. But setting off the side and just focusing on the football aspect of it, right? Because after all, there were there was a life that was lost, and you know we can we can uh, we can feel sympathetic about that. That's the important part in a way, right? Yeah. What do you think? Just thinking football here. What do you think is bigger to overcome? All the crap that happened with John Gruden or what Henry Ruggs did? What do you think has a bigger impact on the team? Now, you and I are not in a locker room. So this is just you and I assuming our points of view, our perspective of things. But to your eyes, and there's not a right or wrong answer. There's just the point of view. What is be- what is bigger to overcome? Organizationally, I think it's the coach. It has to be the coach. I come a thousand percent agree with you. Okay. The fact of, and and again, it's not saying that one thing is better is bigger than the other. No, because of what I just highlighted right now. The the fact that a life was lost in this, and that's terrible. This could have been prevented. All of this can be prevented easily. However, he made a decision, and now he's going to have to live with that for the rest of his life. Here's my point, though, in regards to the football aspect of things. You had a coach, and we it's been very well documented. To me, I agree with you. It's a bigger impact because of what John Gruden, what he had his hands on. He had his hands on that organization in every freaking thing. Yeah. Operationally, coaching, staff, players, game plans, train, everything. John Gruden was the face of the franchise. It was no player. It was John Gruden. It was Chucky. And how did you and I feel after that week when there was a huge test that you needed to go to Denver and play the Broncos. A division How did game, they play? Rather. Oh, they played great. They, they played have- great. You and I were like, wow. We, we, to- we thought they were going to take the L because of everything that had transpired. It made more you, sense for them to take the L at that You game. had a short week because, remember, this happened during Monday. Monday was a resignation Monday night. So you'd literally have from Tuesday – Maybe to Friday to come up with a game plan because Saturday you had to play fly to Denver and get ready to play the Broncos on Sunday afternoon. And they came away and they just flattened the Broncos. Now, you go to New York and words can't explain it. And, and there's two things that I just want to highlight here. And I told you off air. I can't really hold, I can to a certain degree, but it, it's two, two things here in regards to coaching. If you want to be that coach, in the case of Bisacha, who has been an assistant head coach for X amount of years and finally is getting the opportunity, I'm not going to hang it just on one game because it's unfair to him. But if you want to be that person, 
bro, you had two weeks to prepare for the New York Giants. And this is this is the game plan or this is the output that you put out on the field. That's one. So that that whenever there, there's a poor performance after a bye week, and I told you right now the Raiders are three and sixteen coming off a bye. But that's on coaching. Because coaching coaches need to prepare their players. And two, that loss hangs heavy on Derek Carr. Heavy. That is his worst. Worst game that I can remember in a long time. He's thrown interceptions before. He's thrown pick sixes before. But this one, this game, how it was played, man, he was overthrowing players. He threw two stupid interceptions. That is not the Derek Carr that you and the, the, the car that you and I have not necessarily fallen in love, but have really supported all these years, right? And we understand that this, the Raiders in years, in previous years, they would only go as far as how Derek Carr would take them. This year is very different. There's a supporting cast on defense. And if it wasn't because of that defense, that Giants game would have been horrible. The score would have been completely horrible. However, they were able to make key stops in the red zone and force the Giants to kick field goals. But it's just one of those things with that when you're off, you're off. Carlson. Carlson, the kicker. Missed the shortest attempt. Missed the shortest attempt field goals this year. It was an extra point, basically. And he shanked it. It It missed upright. So something was off. Was it the rugs? That that's the only thing I can think of. It was a rug situation, but I, I I tell you again, this is on Derek Carr. I'm tired of hearing about your feelings that you love about rugs. It, it almost became the rugs memorial, and it got him away from focusing on beating the Giants. He definitely had the and mental I understand. Fog. Yeah, they're humans. They're imperfect. They have imperfections too. I get that. I really do. But how is it that with everything that you dealt with with John Gruden and you had been around this coach, you specifically, Carr, for over four years now, and you came and you put that team on your back and you played lights out. And this particular instance happens, you can't overcome it. He looked lost throughout the whole game. He did. His expression was off. He, missed, he was pissed. Yeah, it's, not, it's not hard. It's not easy to miss Darren Waller wide open. And this the throw that he, he makes. The way he threw it to Darren, I don't think Yao Ming could have caught that pass. That pick six was terrible. Renfro was even like, yeah, he didn't what the hell? It. Now, uh, to end the game, that, that fumble because that despite, uh, cost us. Despite everything that went wrong, they still had a chance at the end to tie it. To tie it. Yeah. Or even to win it if Carlson if wouldn't have missed two. that field goal. Or if they would have gone for two. There's a lot of ifs in in, in this scenario. However, it goes back to the same thing I told you earlier. Good teams, teams that are legit contenders and and want to make a name for themselves, find a way to win games like that. It might have been an ugly win. They're going to be like, whoa, you almost squeaked away from New York. Hell, KC, who's playing probably their worst football right now. Figured out a way yeah. 
to beat New York. And you're telling me that we weren't able to do that. They looked flat throughout the whole game. Throughout the whole game. The offense did as a consequence of Derek. The defense. No, no, no. Yes. Beautiful. Defense. There was a bunch of bonehead plays, uh, you know, the roughing the passer, uh, mental errors. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. I will question, though, some of, you know, Galladay was like gashing them up. Devontae Booker was gashing them up. When we had contained the run, ruling time. But the defensive line was prowling. Kudos to Ngakwe, man. Ngakwe and Crosby. And interior linemen, Solomon Thomas, too, contributing. They're a force. They're going to be a force. Perriman, too. Force. But so, that's yeah, my take. The, the clo- uh, by no way, shape, or form are we professional athletes or are we in the locker room, as you said. But the closest thing I could envision this is to have you, have you lost a boss before at work? If he's gotten fired or he all of a sudden resigned or there was some turmoil and they, he ended up leaving? Mm-hmm. I've had that. Now, I've also had close coworkers, coworkers that you make a relationship with professionally and they get fired. If I were to compare both of them, the one that affected me the most was the friend, was the person. And not to be a contrarian to what you said about Derek, because I, I completely agree with what you said about Derek and how he got into his feelings and maybe too much so. Uh, but I think he had two things weighing on him. One, I think he's genuinely that person where he cares. Yeah. And when you move that, that's when you move him. football away from that, that's a person that I would like to be hang around with. That's the person that I type of person I want in my circles. Two, right. I think Derek was legitimately invested in Henry because he saw what the 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 bad tendencies that he had, and he wanted to be the leader and and take him under his wings kind of just because in the presser that he had after not before the game not after the game but before the game after the Henry Ruggs incident he said how him and uh Hunter Renfro were kind of leading him how they were kind of just ushering him and trying to keep him on on a on, on a path to success look i think it uh, this game falls on the shoulders of Derek he admits it he's going to say it I think he's a stand-up guy. This is a game that they need to put away. And this is a game I think is going to be the difference, Josh, for the Raiders when it falls into the playoffs. Because you said earlier that the, the AFC standings, they're they're the fifth team in the wild card. All right? right. The gauntlet starts now. It's about to drop. Like you said earlier, I, I'm not sure if it was off air or on air, but they have Sunday night against the Chiefs. And then they have the Bengals. And then they have the Cowboys. And then they get a small break-ish against the Washington football team, which uh, who knows now, right? And then it would be a small break versus the Giants. And then you still get the Browns. You still get the Chiefs again. You still get the Chargers. And then you still get the Donkeys. The the Donkeys again and the the Colts. Okay, so there's the playoffs for for the Raiders. (laughs) I mean... Who knows, man? As fluid as this, other teams might go in there and, and help us out. And the only thing that will cure any of this for both of us is winning. Winning cures Winning cures everything. everything. Winning cures everything. And the last thing I have to say on this is, I, and I wanted to, I, this will be a subject for next week. Prior to the year starting, we had said that this was a make it or break it year for Gruden and Carr, and they had to make the playoffs. 
Gruden not being I, there. Is that an excuse for them to miss the playoffs? No. Are, are you still okay with them missing no. the playoffs? No. We'll see. We'll see. That that's We've talked too much Raiders. Let's move on to the next game. Chargers, Philadelphia. Finally, the Chargers win. A close game with special teams. Josh, how many games have they lost in the past? Another example before I let it go. A good team figuring out a win, a way to win, ugly. Yeah. And they, they, were, on the, they were on the East, East Coast too? They won. They were on the East Coast too? Yeah, People are won. not going to remember how they won. All they're going to remember is the Chargers are victorious over the Eagles. That and is it. They lead the AFC West right now, but it's not going to be stay consistent because of how everything's working. That puts them only a half game above the Raiders and a full game ahead of the or Chiefs. the Donkeys and the Chiefs. And exactly. And the Donkeys too. So now this one game in Denver versus Dallas makes the AFC West a whole conundrum of Here we thought that intricacies. the Donkeys were going to rebuild because yes. they traded away Vaughn and they, and they go and win. Pecker slap the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there man. There you go. Okay. Moving on to the other AFC West game, the Chiefs played Green Bay without Aaron Rodgers. And Josh, this was one of the worst performances I've ever seen. The Chiefs. Okay, Yanko. So, so okay. Is it more? Is it more ugly on the KC side, or is it worse on the Packers side of Jordan Love? I think it's uh, It's an. What weighs more? The Chiefs. The Chiefs. the Chiefs somehow found a way to lose when they won. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, this is going to sound a little contradictory because we said good teams figure out a way to win, right? Okay. Yeah. And the Chiefs did. They figured out a way to win. Everything landed on their lap. To me, this game was like, you know what? This is where KC is going to figure out a way to come back, perhaps to show some kind of relevancy of how they were before at least a little glimpse and handle the Packers convincingly. Nope. And no, Nope. you know that Patrick Mahomes went one for 11 of passing outside of the pocket. You know, which one that one was Two straight weeks, Yanko two straight weeks that the chiefs should have lost. Yep. If a rod would have played, that's a completely different ball. That's game. an L. If somewhere other than Daniel Jones named on that Monday night game would have played, that would have taken that L2. He went one for 11. And the only one that he completed outside of the pocket was that mad dash at the end to convert that third down to Tyreek Hill to seal the game. Fact of the matter is, is that Jordan Love was a... I don't think he was a complete disaster. I don't think you could expect anything less from the position he's in. But Josh, he's one completion away from beating, potentially beating the Chiefs. They couldn't, they couldn't cover Devontae Adams. They couldn't. It was the in, inadequacy or inaccuracy of Jordan Love. And kudos to the Chiefs, man. Did you see where they sat? His mom and girlfriend? The very freaking <laughs> helltop. Yep. But anyway. I think, man, it just sucks. Uh, if you're a Green Bay Packer fan, I mean, you'll recover. You'll have A-Rod back, hopefully. That is a subject for another matter of, and for another time. But if you're a Packer fan and you're seeing life without A-Rod, 
man, you got to be sick to your stomach. You got to you be went sick up to against yourself. a defense that is atrocious. Yeah. This was where Jordan Love, this was Jordan Love's coming out party, perhaps, right? Yep. And he just took a big dump. I know it's a lot to ask for, for, for a player, for a receiver, or a quarterback, for that matter. But, bro, you've been sitting behind A-Rod for 18 months. That is unheard of. Nowadays, if you're drafted, you're going to play that year. So you've had a cushy feeling, and you're telling me that you play against the KC. In Arrowhead, I get it. But against an atrocious KC defense, and all you have to show for is seven points. I know Crosby missed two field goals. One of them was shanked. The other one was blocked. Fine. But still, bro. That, which it, which that I, was terrible. That's why I think it speaks more of the Chiefs, because if Crosby makes those two, that's a tight game. That's the, the complexity of that of that game changes because, Josh, you know what I think the Chiefs did? They experimented to see what they can or cannot do. They looked at and the Claypool Tigers and just said, grabbed a big hatch. Do you have Claypool playing right now? Yes. Sorry for the interruption. What the Chiefs Proceed. did was tell Patrick, stay in the pocket. Because of what you've done in the past, your Texas Tech self isn't working right now. Stay in the pocket. Complete. We'll try to complement with the run. Let's experiment and see what we can do against the Packers who have a backup quarterback right now. We're going to get a great sample size of KC next week because they go to Las Vegas, the Sunday night showdown. Josh, so I'm, we're going to be able to tell, we're going to be able to tell a lot about the, the, that KC offense and about that Vegas offense and defense just to see how well Patrick Mahomes will play, because this is probably going to be his first big test. And it's not saying much, but his first big test of the season. In a way, I know they already played the Bills, but I'm saying in this like tail, a tailspin that they have been uh, perhaps headed towards, because now the gauntlet starts for KC. It started with oh, yeah. Green Bay. And that from here on out, it's going to be nothing but craziness. It's the Raiders, Cowboys, and... And I think it's AFC North, someone from the AFC North. But Josh, the Chiefs don't look like the Super Bowl contenders that they were the last two years. And you can take this to the books. Write this down. Set it in stone. Sorensen, their safety, is what can they give the Raiders the win on Sunday. He gave away another terrible touchdown, huh? Or yeah. like a big reception. He gave it I to Lazard. It. He is the yeah. weakest spot in their secondary. And Tyron Matthew can't cover the whole field. Hopefully Carr can uh, not see ghosts and perhaps. And the uh, Steelers just scored. Najee Harris. Deshaun Jackson used go. to have his coming out arrival party on Sunday. I, I was a quick point of order. I was a little disappointed with another Raider for different circumstances, mm-hmm. uh, but it was uh, Brian Edwards. Yeah. I really, I really thought this was, was going to take over the time for Brian Edwards to cement himself into starting lineup and to at least make a couple of good catches. I know some of those were overthrows, but I really expected a lot more from Brian Edwards. Maybe KC will, will give it a shot. Renfro was Renfro. That, that, that guy, guy could ball, man. Love that guy. And Darren uh, dropped Waller. Yeah, Waller, Waller balled out, but I just wanted to mention that before I forget. Moving on to uh, Arizona versus San Francisco. Ouch, town. Bay Area, bro. Man, 
last week I said kudos to COVID-49 and kudos to Los Chicharitos for having a, a solid win. This week, you go against Colt McCoy. You mm-hmm. don't stop James Conner. You don't have D-Hop. Edmonds goes, no Kyler, is gone. No AJ. And you still and lose. You got Pretty kill, bro. bad, man. You Did you know kill. that San Francisco is 1-11 and 11 at uh-huh. home since 2020? Colt mm-hmm. McCoy, who's been in the league since I graduated high school, went in and, and took care of business. Yep. If you stop the run, you pressure McCoy to make throws. To who? To Rondell Moore, rookie. To Christian Kirk, okay. To Zach Ertz, he just got there. To who? He diced them, bro. And they just ran it down their throat. Jimmy G, last week we said that Jimmy G and Shanahan had the had a better record of winning. How do you how do you dispute this one? How do you dispute you this one? It's a it's a clean uh, it's a clean sweep. And to to go to what you mentioned has been resonating through this podcast is that the good teams find a way to win when the odds are stacked against them. What bigger odds are there stacked against you when your wide receiver one, wide receiver two, starting quarterback are out? And Edmonds got knocked out of the game pretty early too. And you're running back one. I mean, Connor was great too. But- Connor was awesome, but. And there Gosh. was a victory, too, from the Cardinals without Cliff Kingsbury being there. So This, this is the only team in the NFL that I can tell you I feel good about as being a solid contender for the Super Bowl. They've right been now. consistent. They've been consistent. They are a Super Bowl team right now. They could have very easily been undefeated. They should have lost the game against Minnesota on that shank field goal. But... They they could have um, they could have beaten Green Bay if it would have been for oddness with AJ Green, uh, yeah. and they won yesterday. So kudos to the Cardinals. Man. Arizona is taking it to everyone. It seems that they have figured it out, and they're making it. They're making it known <laughs> that the Rams aren't the team to reckon with in the nah, NFC man. West. It, it might very well be the Cardinals. Tennessee versus Los Angeles last night on Sunday night football. Ouch, bro. The biggest question wasn't the Rams. The biggest question was, what are the Titans going to do without Derrick Henry? They go and sign old man AP. They have a running back in the stable, Jeremy Nichols or McNichols, which I thought was should stand to be the, the number one guy. But if they go sign AP, that speaks volumes of McNichols, right? But regardless of who they have at running back, it didn't matter yesterday because the good teams find a way to win. And if you remove remove the Jets loss, the Titans have beat a lot of playoff teams from last year, this year. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think all of their wins are against playoff teams or maybe the exception of one. Josh, that was a way bigger win for a Tennessee than what it would have been for the Rams. And as a consequence, that's a way bigger loss for the Rams than it would have been for the Titans. Does that make sense? The roles were reversed. Matthew Stafford couldn't 
couldn't find the day of light because he kept getting swallowed by X Raider Demico Autry, by Justin Which Simmons. Played, he played really well. He played really well, and Bayard Bird Bayard their safety. So so these are these over. are these are the Titans um, victories. Just so you can have to further illustrate your point. So they're only, they have two losses. One of them is against the Cardinals. Okay. 38 to 13. And that was in week one. And obviously to the Jets in OT, 27-24. They've beaten the Seahawks. And they already swept the Colts. They stomped on the Jaguars. They handled the Chiefs 27 to 3. Uh, and they beaten the Bills on that last second stand. And here's another, and here's that other staple victory. They beat the Rams. Now, here's the Titans' remaining half of the schedule. Okay, give it to me. You got the Saints. You got the Texans. You got the Patriots and Thanksgiving weekend. You got the Jaguars. You have the Steelers. You have the Niners, you have the Dolphins, and you're going to wrap up with the Texans. Okay. So, look, <laughs> they should take care of New Orleans. They're going to take care of Houston. Maybe it's a game. I'll give them an L just for, you know, sake against is- New England. They should take care of Jacksonville. They'll probably take care of Pittsburgh. Well, let's go worst that, case that scenario. Might be, that, that might be that a might good be game L. because it's going to be for yep. playoffs. They should take care of the, the Niners. They'll take care of Miami and they'll take care of Houston. That puts them at two more losses for the remainder of the season, Josh. Two more losses. And that's if they don't fall to the New England and be 13 and four. Fall. That's insane. 13 and four. Without Derrick Henry. Without Derrick Henry. And now, could potentially have a first round bye if the end, if they end with the first seed. And can therefore provide a cushion, perhaps, for Derrick Henry's return. Everything's in the mixing for them to be there. Everything's yeah. in the mixing. Because on the contrary, if you look at who the Rams have beat, they're losing teams. Look, the Rams are good. They are. Okay? They are. But I feel like the Rams can find a way to lose more than find a way to win. They got they got all mauled, man. They got manhandled. They, they got manhandled from the beginning, and they rocked uh, Matthew Stafford very early. And it seems that the the Rams kind of got away from the run. But all in all, man, I think it makes us believers of the Titans, even with adversity. And I can still honestly say the Rams are obviously contenders. They're going to be around. I just that that is a wake up call for the Rams in it the way that be. they lost. It has to be. Although I will say this, I watched a ton of football. In my life, Josh. But last night's officiating was probably the worst officiated game I've ever seen. Yeah, it was pretty dicey. Ever. All right. And then tonight we get those games, right? Yeah. Where they're like a little. Eh. Yeah. Chicago and Pittsburgh uh, are playing right now. That should be a pit win. But I, I, I haven't tuned in other than what you've just mentioned and sprinkled into the podcast. Uh, let's this go. Is a second possession for the Bears, and they're deep in their own territory. 
Oh, well, there you go. Let's go around the NFL, keep hitting on a couple of topics, uh, going from least to most important in my eyes or in our eyes. Uh, you think Zach Wilson comes back for the Jets this year after how Mike White's playing? Or do you keep him under, under wraps I would a little bit? Keep, I would honestly keep Mike White because you've seen a different level of offense pr- production from Mike White. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. Sam Darnold is day-to-day. I hardly think I – let me rephrase that. I don't Zach think – Zach Wilson, you mean, no? No, Not no, no I'm transitioning Darnold. to Sam. Oh, Proceed, I don't think my friend. I think PJ Walker starts starting some games. Uh, other than that, uh, in other QB news, the Seahawks have cleared Russell to come back. And you know what? <laughs> you you don't discount the the Hawks once Russell comes back. Once Russell comes back, now he's he. I don't think Russell would come back unless he thought they could make some noise. And if they do sign OBJ, OBJ. OBJ on paper, okay? OBJ, Tyler Lockett, and DK. That's a force to reckon with, but did we not say that about OBJ in Cleveland? Because it was going to be Lassie and Joku, and it was going to be... That's another reason why... Nah, man, but this would be huge because, I mean, Seattle... Obviously, Russell Wilson sleeps and bounds ahead of Baker. Exactly. That's what I was about to say that. The leadership in Seattle... Yeah, it's what's going to make a difference for OBJ. That could almost perhaps sell Russell Wilson in staying perhaps in Seattle and not contemplate a trade or a move. True. Very true. Uh, In other news, Deshaun Jackson signs with the Las Vegas Raiders. I think it's a great signing. It's a one year finish the year, basically. Uh, Obviously, a consequence of the stupidity of Henry Ruggs. And again, not to uh, I'm not calling the situation stupid. I'm calling Henry stupid his action and his action uh stupidity in action was also a fellow first rounder who was cut from las vegas today damon arnett who threatened on instagram the life of someone with a gun not only that but he was now going to get sued after a hit and run in october of 2020 uh Mayo came out and said that it was exhausting and it was unfortunate because they had already invested a ton of time in trying to get this guy on the right path. I had mentioned to you, Josh, earlier in the offseason, because I followed him on IG, I don't anymore, that he was distracted with a lot of foolishness, marketing himself, trying to become a, a hip-hop rapper. He was trying to be something that was taken away from his concentration on the NFL, which obviously led to bad decisions, which obviously led to what it is today. And you were the one that sent me a stat on the first rounders that Gruden picked that were quote unquote character guys in his tenure there or traded away of who has now been cut released or no longer with the team and who was still there. And that's staggering in itself. Regardless, Arnett is gone. Henry is gone for whatever reasons. And now uh, DJX. Quick question. Quick question. Does the signing of DJX feel better to the Raiders or would you have preferred OBJ? I think for what what we lost and what it's going to cost overall, 
um, I think DJX is is a, a better signing because of what you're going to ask him to do. Yeah, OBJ would have been great. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I thought that that would be perfect, but it's perhaps getting him back into the system, having him kind of fit into it. That would take a lot from Renfro and Waller off. So I, honestly, man, I rather just the DJAC signing is great. Roll with that. I don't want to get ahead of myself, uh, but I do really hope they make a run at a receiver next year and more preferably Devontae. Yes, that would be uh, amazing. So that's kind of what it seems. That's what kind of like that's what's setting up, you know? Yeah. Um, that that's why they didn't. Number one, they probably felt that they kind of took the temperature in the room. They they felt that, you know, their chances of getting OBJ wouldn't have been all that great. Maybe they took into account everything. They did perhaps their due diligence. Yeah. And DJX, not that he was plan number two or plan B, but I think overall it's a much better fit. Yeah. I all he needs to do is be a somewhat of a placebo threat over the top of what Henry Take Ruggs the top was starting off the to offense. do. Exactly. Take yep. the top off so that the middle and bottom are are left open. I will say this, though. Uh, I don't know if you caught this. I saw him warming up on the sideline. Marcel Aitman still with the team. I saw that. You know, if you catch that. So I saw not to that. make it a Raiders thing again, but Renfro is good. Waller is good. What happened to Moreau this time? I do not know. Uh, but they need, to, they need to have another receiver step up, whether it be Aitman, whether it be Brian Edwards, whether it be uh, Zay Jones. Somebody has to step up besides yeah. obviously Deshaun. You know who stepped up to the podium and basically, according to many media outlets, lied? Aaron Rodgers. Mr. A-Rod. Mm-hmm. This doesn't help the organization at all. To say that you were immunized, Aaron Rodgers is a smart man. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he said. And to say that he later on to say, I immunized in my own way, you can't tell me that the Packers didn't go and figure so out. Snarky, show me, man. So snarky. Snarky and petty. And I was going to mention this when you were talking critical, about Jordan he's Love. He's a critical thinker. I'm a critical thinker. Man, did you know that his now wife is one of those, <laughs> is a very woke, hippie, tree hugger type of person, which I'm not disrespecting that person, but it goes to play into what he came out and said on the Pat McAfee show, right? Which is losing him money, which is losing him, is losing the team. You envision perhaps a uh, a fine, some kind of suspension. Something's going to happen. Something along those lines because of everything of how he handled that and how he lied, basically. The NFL is really prying oh, into yeah, man. everything. I, I think that it's kind of crazy. I mean, whatever your stance is, we've, we've already discussed this, but in regards to, I, I don't think people get the bigger picture, man. A lot of the times getting the vaccine, it's not about you. It's actually about others. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And That's exactly what it is. Josh, he could have said, I'm not getting that vaccine. Just follow the right? protocol then. Right. Follow I the have protocol. have an allergy because apparently he had an allergy. It's something that was in it. Whatever, man. If it was or, a or just physical be or fully mental transparent. allergy. Yes. And they're like, oh, well, my health is not. No, no, dude, you're, no. you're not asking people to disclose your medical condition. No. This is either you have it, that vaccine, or you don't. That's it. And guess what? That's it. I, there's no wrong answer. Because if you have it, then pro, you follow a certain protocol. If you don't have it, you follow that other certain protocol. He wanted the best of both worlds. He wanted to 
say he was immunized and live in a world that isn't dictated and sticks it to the man. And Aaron Rodgers is furthermore prying his way. I think it's bigger of a bigger scheme out of Green Bay, which plays to our favor because that means if he ain't there, Devontae gone. Devontae deuces, bro. Exactly. Aaron Rodgers is probably the biggest quarterback diva in the history of all QB time. Yeah. Yeah. He's very talented. He is. But, man, sometimes this stuff, man, it's just unnecessary, you know? Hall of Lame, I'm sorry, but your teammate yes. is going to have a hard fall from the top if Jordan Love is your guy to move <laughs> forward. Nowhere other to go That's for man. Uh, Montgomery came back off of IR, running back for the Bears. So that has He's actually playing right now. Yes. He is playing right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then Trevor's in Jacksonville, Goldilocks. Has a sprained ankle. He's also day to day. Some fantasy. Why wouldn't you say Trevor? Like your eyes just like lit up. Because I I've realized that I've fallen in love with another long haired fellow. Except that they're not Goldilocks. <laughs> they're dark, and his name is Derek. Anyway, uh, see what you did there. See what I did there. Anyway, uh, quick transition it as we like wrap up. Cotton candy. It does, man. Like cotton candy got stuck in the dryer, and you pulled it out of the lint filter. But any, mm-hmm. anyway, anyway. Uh, Notable week nine top performers in fantasy. Justin Herbert, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz. James Conner had a day. Jonathan Taylor had a day. Devonta Freeman out of all running backs had a day. Elijah Moore, Devonta Smith, Brandon Ayuk finally showed up to an extent. And George Kittle, even though their team lost, had a day and week nine performances for fantasy football. And when it comes to fantasy football, I want to thank Matt Stafford throwing it to Sony Michelle uh, to get me that it sucks, man from Machina de Fuego, bro. Machina de Fuego actually reached out to me and told me that the app had actually told him that he had won the game at one point Dang. that he had won the game. And lo and behold, uh, it goes to show the, the fluidity of the oh, real heartbreak. NFL bleeds into the fluidity of the fantasy world of the NFL. And just as a quick recap uh, for the FFF, Team Yenko is going to beat and has officially beaten uh, Maquina de Fuego. Is your game still in flux or is that game over? You versus Los Osos. He basically has Rokon Smith and uh, Deontay Johnson from Pittsburgh. I'm down by three points and I have Cole Komet left. So Okay, so that's that could be a, a nail-biter towards the end. Unless Cole Komet has a great game, which he has Justin Fields, but who knows, right? Yeah. So that's, we're going to throw one up in the air, that one up in the air. Los Chicharito takes care of Los Mireyes. Uh Healthy Dynamic takes care of Gronky Kong. Bear Force One with a weak showing uh, loses to Fly Eagles Fly. Talk about Cowboys yeah. versus Denver. Talk about Buffalo versus Jacksonville. And I'm not throwing a slight towards Fly Eagles Fly. It's just what the records indicate and correct shame on you bear force one shame on you because you got a trade package this week that included a quarterback that would have you would have started and you would have won but shame on you for not taking the trade and that's only if we don't believe in karma but that is karma-esque for trying to trade me calvin ridley and tyler lockett that's all i've got to say there shame on you bear force one uh, CD goes and Austin Whitebeards. It looks like Austin Whitebeards is going to win that game. Austin Whitebeards ha- hasn't done much winning, but 
they're going to it's win. His third victory, no? It will be his third victory. Will be. Uh, COVID-49 takes care of LA Lambs. And LA Lambs, are they going to take a fall because of Derek? It looks like Derek Henry was holding up LA Lambs. Hopefully, LA Lambs doesn't take too much of a fall uh, in the pecking yeah. order. And then Hall of Lame. He might, his team might have lost, but he's going to definitely win against the 52ers, another team that needed a, a loss. I mean, that needed a win uh, to get as we get closer into the playoffs. Do you want to do a quick recap of the Chuka boys? We'll do. Um, we got Mean Machine versus Los Otos. It seems this game, man, Mean Machine can catch a break. He's going to take that L. Uh, that game's a wrap. Los Osos wins 96-77. Uh, Neon Ninjas versus SF Dad. It seems this game is already out of sorts unless Pittsburgh has a miraculous uh, turnover night, but... SF that took care of it. 132 over 117. Pittsburgh defense still playing for him, but kind of hard. Uh, Los Chicharitos versus America's Big D. Um, it's still up for grabs. He's currently winning America's Big D 125 over 90, but Los Chicharitos does have Najee Harris and Chase Claypool left. So he's got a shot. Yeah. He's down 35 points. Chicagones and Healthy Dynamic. That game is a wrap. Uh, Chicagones takes care of it. 112 over 104. Uh, Blazing Colts versus the Poppies, which Hello. I kicked it with the Poppies this weekend. We had a, a grand old time. Uh, Blazing Colts takes care of it. 110 over 93. And yours truly uh, is facing the last year's champ. Apex Predators. I'm currently winning 121 over 92, mm-hmm. uh, but he has Deontay Johnson left. So he has to have a monster performance from Deontay, score him some 29 points, and he can either beat me on heartbreak or take care of business. Josh, the heartbreak wasn't only felt in the fantasy world. Josh, you were there. Tell me about the heartbreak in the 915 this weekend. Oh Not only God, with soccer, man. but with UTIP. So I went to Friday's game. Well, we went to Friday's game. Los Locos, Locomotors have been playing great. Ended up first seed in their conference. And they got one and done in playoffs versus Ooh. the last team that made it into the playoffs, which was Oakland, the Oakland Roots. So I was like, okay, I still have Saturday to work for, right? And number 16, UTCA, University of Texas at San Antonio, stomped on the minors for the record. They are ranked 16th. So I was like, okay, I'll pick up the pieces of my life. You know, Sunday, um, I will have the Raiders handle business. And no, the Giants defeated the the Raiders. So I got shellacked three times in a row. The only good thing that happened this weekend was Luka Doncic. Hitting a yes. clutch three-pointer over three, yes, three Celtics to win the game uh, at the end yes. in the American Airlines Center. Josh, it was a That's good one. That's pretty much it. I hope That's we have it, a, a, a good week. No more releases. No more Raider trouble. We look forward to Sunday Night Football, <laughs> and we look forward to you guys listening on this podcast as we wind down. Just something right quick, Yanko, that I was going to say is next week we talked about a little bit. 
Accountability Week, Yanko. We're going to revisit those, those uh, crazy uh, or scenarios that we took for us in, in means of where NFL teams, how we, what predictions. Yeah. We're going to revisit the predictions we had prior to the season starting to see how that goes. And we will revisit, as we alluded, alluded to last week, that the winds of change are coming in autumn. This is Josh and Yenko signing off for another edition of this podcast. Laters. Peace.